<laughs> What's up, you beauties? Welcome to Season 5, Episode 37 of High and Wide Radio. I'm Jim Icavone, joined as always by Jack Smith and Boy Wonder, Travis Ballinghoff. If you're not watching live on YouTube, you should be. Make sure to go over, uh, subscribe, set alerts for future shows. If you're listening as a podcast, make sure to be listening to us on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, uh, or you can watch on YouTube. Uh, yeah, boy. So big topic packed show tonight. Obviously, the thing we want to talk about most, the NHL draft. We had a nice little soiree at my house last week. You may have seen some videos. Um, just didn't matter what happened the rest of that draft. They got the guy. I want to talk some free agency. Flyers signed uh, three players, believe it or not. Uh, weren't supposed to be busy. They signed three guys. Pretty cool. Um, Hayes obviously was traded to St. Louis. Flyers opened up some cap. Uh, we'll be talking Ivan Fedotov and Morgan Frost contract. Uh, and a couple a couple other topics, smaller topics. But let's just get to the big one right away. Meechkov mania. Flyers are fortunate enough, I think, to have Meechkov fall to them. I kind of want to talk about the you know, how things transpired and whatnot. But I also want to hear from you guys. Uh, Jack, we were kind of, we were sitting side by side for most of that night. Uh, Trav, you had a live show. Um, we've had a week to kind of take this in, to digest how things played out a little bit. And uh, I want to hear from you guys. I want to start with with Jack first. Uh, Jack, we're a week after, we're a week from drafting Meechkov. Are you still... Just as excited. Are you still experiencing Meechkov mania a week later? I've never watched more highlights in my life. <laughs> I'm, I'm realizing I'm watching the same ones. They just come around in a different set. And it's, you know something? It's just fine. No problems here. It is night and day from the Caulfield draft. What happened to us? We, th- you know, we threw Montreal a bone. It was awfully nice of them to throw us one back. The way the night itself transpired was hysterical in the best way possible. Um, particularly with the whole uh, Montreal pick with Carey Price for getting the last name, which I <laughs> feel bad. I heard he felt terrible about that. But yeah. um, for us, all we care, our unique situation where right away Carlson goes to, and it's like, okay, it's going to be one of those nights, you know, and Will Smith went, that was our first reaction video, which was part of the plan. That's why that was a video we kept. He yeah. needed to go early, which meant we're Meechkoff and Leonard, the odds of us get one of them increase exponentially. But then when Montreal goes and takes Rhinebacker, which left us all in disbelief and animate uh, in suspense, suspended animation. That's the, the phrase I used because he says, David and Paul obviously forgot the name and kind of paused. But for us, all we're thinking is who the hell else is named David that could be going right here uh, to the point where I'm saying, Jim, is it, is it David Leonard? David, <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Dude, that cracked me up because I was doing the same thing. I'm like, what's Meechkov's name again? Yeah, and, and we know like, the answer to this, but when you're so close to what you want, something like that happens, you're like, what? <sighs> so I, I really think it was great for us. It was endearing. It was a fun part of the draft. I feel terrible that Gary Price was, was really upset about that. You know, like he still kind of is. It's like, come on, yeah. it's not a big deal. It, it was for us, it was great. And then Arizona with – so who had money on uh, Shimashev being the first uh, Russian to go in the draft? Because that was something. 
Yeah, um, seriously. Well, after everything came out about, you know, Mishkov essentially ghosting Arizona, this kind of makes a little bit more sense. He still went awfully a lot higher than I thought. However, for the, us to get the guy that we were supposed to get, to him for the fall to us, to not have to trade up, you know, that later pick just felt like a luxury at that point. I could have left that night a happy man. You know, I mean, that was absolutely amazing. Hopefully it's a sign of things to come, where with the Caulfield draft, that was a sign of things to come in a negative way. York may still be a fine player, but that's not the point. Uh, Danny Breer seems to do things the way he should. At the end of the day, if you saw what a lot of different websites and pundits are saying, Flyers did a hell of a job with the draft. I'm seeing a lot of A's, A-pluses. That's a little dramatic, but still, he did good. did damn good, and it all starts at the top with Mishkov. Absolutely. It it was an exciting night, and the night was made – right off the bat. So kind of whatever happened after was just bonus or you couldn't really be too let down because they got the guy. Uh, Trev, what was kind of going on over on your end? So I'll start with Montreal's pick. Boy, did, did they screw that situation up in my opinion? Oh, yeah. How do you take Reinbacker at five? How do you not trade that pick, get flyers and capitals into a bidding war, move back and then take Reinbacher? I think they screwed that situation up so bad. Um, I totally agree with that perspective, 100%. And and then we go to the Coyotes pick, and they announce Locomotive. And right there, I'm like, oh, not realize. You know, I know Locomotive's in Russia, not realizing that Mishkov did not play in Locomotive. I'm just like, damn, we we didn't get them. They they got us. But going into the Coyotes, like that – they took two Russians and neither of them were Mitchkov. <laughs> and at the time I didn't know that, you know, he ghosted them, but I'm sitting here like, what are you guys doing? And especially because of them, like, you know, going into the flyers a little bit, we kind of know we're going to be rebuilding for the next three or so years. So it makes sense with our timeline, Jim's favorite word. Like you go to the coyotes, like, when the heck are they going to be good? Like, why would they not take the chance on them? But I, I you know, I, I guess he didn't want to go there, so it makes sense. So then we go to the Flyers pick, and I mean, I think just Danny knocked it out of the park. Big balls, Briere is what I'm calling them. Um, I mean, we've been yelling on this show for however long about we need high end talent, and we got it. And you look at the numbers he put up in his 18 year old season over there; it's better than any Russian that comes to mind. Panarin. Ovechkin, Kaprizov, Mishkov did way better than any of them in his age 18 season. So, I mean, I think this kid's going to be a stud. Um, I guess I got to wait a couple of years to buy a jersey. <laughs> but um, Nah, you don't. <laughs> right? It would be four Fanatics takes over. Yeah, you're not lying. Um, but, man, I was so excited that entire night, and I'm still pretty jacked up about it. I wish he was at dev camp because that would have been really cool, but that would have been sick. Man, that place uh, would have been a packed house. Uh-huh. Um, yeah, I mean, I, I was jacked up then and I'm still jacked up now. That was the guy I wanted and Danny wasn't scared to do it. I love that too. You know, cause you could, you could do the whole, well, what if he doesn't come and yada, yada. And apparently they had a couple meetings with them where they felt, you know, everything's going to be smoothed out. He's coming over for sure. I mean, it even kind of sounded like they're going to try to bring him over sooner. Uh, I don't really want to speculate too much on that, but you know, from you've heard bits and pieces from Michkov, uh, from some certain people around the Flyers, it doesn't sound like they're going to 
just wait three years for him. It sounds like they may try to bring him over. Um, so, yeah. So I kind of want to go through like Jack was doing there, the, the, the events of the night. Like Jack said, when Carlson went second, it was kind of like, whoa. Everyone said Fantilli for months. So when Carlson went second, I was like, this is going to get a little – this is going to get a little hairy here. I didn't know how hairy, uh, but then Fantilli went third, and that was kind of like, all right, well, there's your top three. Um, and then San Jose, we thought for the longest – we didn't know what they were going to do. I thought there was more of a chance that they could actually trade back with the pick than actually use it, and they end up drafting Will Smith. And I, I want to play the clip real quick before we get too far into the, the episode and it becomes irrelevant. Um, so if you haven't seen this yet – uh, head over to YouTube. You can watch it live if you're listening as a podcast. Uh, if you if you are watching live, here you go. This is our reaction to the San Jose Sharks drafting Will Smith. Because to us, it meant the Flyers had a real shot at getting a really good player. Is Sharks left? Steve NHL all-time. Game's play leader. Patrick Marlowe. Nothing less than I would have thought he would want to make his first pick ever, wouldn't he? First oh, selection overall, the San Jose Sharks are proud to select Will Smith. Yes! Let's go! <laughs> it still gets me to this day because I, I kind of feel like if, if it, like Will Smith was ever to see that, I would feel really bad because it's like, I hope you have a good career just somewhere else other than Philly. You know what I mean? Because we... And it's not that we didn't want him. We just wanted Meechkov, Leonard, anybody from the top seven other than Will Smith. Do you know what I mean? So I think for us it meant, all right, well, there's Montreal, Arizona picking in front of us. All we need is for one of them to not pick Ryan Leonard and Meechkov, and we're getting one of them, right? So when Montreal came out, and I have a clip here. It's, it's a little too long. I'm not going to play it. I should have probably chopped it down a little bit. But um, when they took Reinbacher, right, that guaranteed that we were getting Leonard or Michkov. Um, and then who, I mean, Arizona, Simashev. I mean, good for them. If Simashev is their guy, kudos to, to Arizona for picking their guy sixth. But it was just jubilation. I mean, so I don't think we were so much celebrating yet because obviously I think you want the talent. You want the superstar, Michkov. Um, some people like Leonard. I liked Leonard. But I think we were kind of like, it wasn't a known thing. Like, there was a chance that they could still pass on Michkov at this point. Uh, I'm going to show the Michkov video real quick. It was just, here you go. Danny, here comes Danny. Danny. Come on, Danny. Yes, Danny. With the uh, seventh select, select in the draft. Flyers are proud to select from St. Petersburg. Yes! I mean, would we have cheered like that for Leonard? I, I don't think so. But the collective group, I think, wanted Michkov overall. I mean, the superstar falls to you at pick seven. Not three. Not four. Seven, right? It's like the Flyers won this. They won the lottery without tanking is how I see this. 
Like it, uh, it's funny that you just said that because we discussed a lot about tanking this previous year and how maybe Tortorella was a year too early and whatnot. And I, I remember saying a lot like, if only we already had the prospect, you know, the Mitchkov prospect this year, would I wouldn't be as annoyed that they're not finishing where they should be finishing. But with him falling to seven, that's exactly what happens now. Yeah, it's not Bedard, but it's literally the second best option to that. And when it's all said and done and he's over here, this is your guy. They're already they already have other pieces. The timeline makes so much sense. They can continue to add and tank and whatnot or not play well, whatever. Get high draft picks. And it, it was a dream. It was like step one of what you know needs to be done and you know you want the guy at the top doing the right thing and we just saw two gms who had no clue what to do in that regard so to see it go the way it should and to get the superstar when you really shouldn't have was like wow maybe the hockey guys just finally turned around and said hey let's throw him a bone here and you know what you remember I guess it was late in the season. John Tortorella said, we're not going to tank. The hockey gods aren't going to do us any favors if we tank. And <laughs> after the uh, the lottery, we get the seventh pick, and I criticized it. Others did as well. Yeah, the hockey gods, so what? They didn't help us out here. Well, I was wrong. The hockey gods did us one. So are we all believers in the hockey gods now? I think so. <laughs> no, because Chicago no. still got Bedard, and that's just – I'm sorry. That's true. Good point. Good point. <laughs> You it's know what true. it is? I think the draft was weird. I think right off the bat after that second pick, I think it threw people a little bit. Uh, I like to give them more, a little bit more credit. They're smarter than that. But if you break it down, uh, Columbus seemed pretty set. They knew they were getting a center, like they, they, a true center, and they, they're good for them. Like That's great for them. Mm-hmm. Uh, the San Jose, I, I, they probably were a little unsure, but they're just like, let's just take Will Smith as a safe pick, top player uh, in this draft. Can't go wrong there. I think Montreal, if I'm Montreal – Obviously, Montreal and Arizona should have traded back. Um, I don't know what the asking price was. It sounded like it was too high, but I do feel like they were pretty dead set on Ryanbacker, and if they traded back, uh, Arizona may have taken Ryanbacker. That's just my opinion. It's a perfect replacement for Chickering, you know, and whatnot. So they just decided to take him there. And boy, did Montreal fan base have an issue with – take issue with that. Uh, I'm sure most people heard that. Wonderful. I mean, I'm just glad it's not us for a change. Here's somebody else going through that. Um, and then Arizona just completely off the board. I don't know if they panicked thinking like, oh, we thought somebody would have jumped up or something else would have went different. We're just going to go because I didn't see them taking anybody who was going to take any time to come over because they need players now because they're getting booted out of their state. Like they got, they need play, they need to do well now. So Mitchkov was never a realistic option in my eyes, but to see them turn around and take Shimashev, who still has, he's still from Russia, was a little shocking. And not to mention, he went very high from where we had him ranked. I saw him getting, you know, moving up, but not to the top five. But um, yeah, but once that happened, it was like, okay, everything just happened to fall the way it did through BS reasons. And we know nobody was expecting that because the Flyers were doing everything in their power to trade up. And I still can't believe Washington didn't find a way to trade up either. They, it, was, like, it was a chance. It was a weird draft. Up. It was a chance that, that uh, Mishkov could have fell to us. It was unlikely, but there was a chance. There was zero chance he was going to, to Washington unless they moved up because all the rumors came out about Philly. Like, it was there. You had to make a move. You had to get him, and nothing nothing came of it, and I can't believe that. I can't believe they – Um, I, I can't believe there were no trades at all. Oh, but, yeah, yeah I, to your point, yeah, I mean, there were – I can't believe that Montreal didn't trade back, and I, I can't believe that 
Washington couldn't trade up. You know, it was just the perfect storm for the Flyers. Like, it couldn't have gone any more perfect the way that that played out. I'm glad nobody traded. Um, things worked out for them for once. <laughs> wow, that's a long time. Yeah, and like people say, like, Arizona, well, they have too many picks. There's no point in trading back. I'm like, well, then trade back, and then trade back up with your 1,000 picks and get, like, a few great players. Like, like mm. what? Well, I know it's not NHL, but you could get a little creative if you really tried. Instead of taking a re, they could have traded back and still got Shemeshev, I think. I don't know who was taking who, or they could have wound up with a Ryan Leonard or something like that, like or jump back in and got an Oliver Moore later instead of letting them fall to Chicago. You know, I mean, there there were plenty of options for things to happen, and yeah, I mean, it was just one. I think that that first couple of picks threw the first couple of teams for a loop, and the, totally like Jimmy said, perfect storm. Totally agree. Uh- yeah, I think Montreal. I think Reinbacher is probably like their second, second or third choice because I, I, I'm assuming that they would have gone center. I think you know Will Smith was a guy I thought they were looking at, and then uh, you're right. I think Arizona was probably looking at Reinbacher, and uh, let's assume that they were always going to go D, right? Because D take a little longer to develop. Uh, you just saw a team that won the Stanley Cup had all big, long defensemen. Simashev's one of those guys as well. Um, so yeah, just a perfect storm for the Flyers. And they had another pick in that round. Um, Oliver Bonk was the 22nd overall pick, uh, defenseman, right-handed, uh, more of the defensive kind of guy right now. I had the scout, uh, the scouting report on it, but I, uh, closed up my window. So it's my bad. If any of you guys have the scouting report up on, uh, Bonk, uh, feel free to take it away. I don't, I actually don't know a ton about him besides what you said, right shot, more of a defensive minded guy, but. I mean, I like it. I mean, right-handed D, we, yeah. <laughs> we haven't had many of them in our history, let alone what's in the pipeline now. Um, I got no issues with it. And you know what? Even if the guy doesn't develop, great. I mean, we saw what Rasmus Ristolainen got traded for. For hmm. some reason, these GMs around the league love right-handed defensemen, and you could use that as a trade asset in a couple of years. Absolutely. So I've, I have my report up here. If you guys want to, I'll read it real quick for the listeners. So Bonk's uh, said to be a smart defender, plays with a physical edge, uh, become far more effective once he adds some weight, especially in terms of lower body strength. He's a below average skater who can get beat to the outside by agile and quick attackers, uh, despite keeping a tight gap. His production this season may overestimate his offensive projection. Uh, so that's not great. Uh, as his hard shot is the only above-average offensive tool. His passing and puck carrying uh, in games in transition still have some improving to do his strengths in the NHL, but his defensive habits and intelligence make him a likely, uh, ooh, this says likely bottom-pairing defender with a few years of development. This, so this is, uh, from, this is a February scouting report on him. Um, so maybe he's improved since then, but um, could be an effective two-way defenseman. Uh, I don't know that I see him as a top-pair guy. Um, but certainly, as you mentioned, right-handed defensemen are a commodity in the NHL. <laughs> Excuse me. And the Flyers stocked the cupboard with or, uh, with a right-handed defenseman in this offseason. You know, think back to the uh, Provorov trade. They bring in Helga Granz. Uh, obviously, uh, Walker. What's his first name? I always want to say. Sean. Sean. Okay, Sean Walker. Right-handed yeah, defenseman's only here for Matt Walker last time. I'm like, the guy <laughs> from the Gagne trade? <laughs> right. Right. Scott, yeah, yeah. On that hole again. <laughs> what a um, trade. <laughs> so, so you get Grons in the trade. You go out and use a first-round pick on Oliver Bonk. Um, they go out and draft Carter Southern 
and the the big mammoth six foot six uh, Mateo Man. So they really stocked up pretty good on the right side, um, which I think was a smart thing to do. After you get your star player, you start filling up, you know, the, the hot commodity positions. They drafted a couple centers. Um, Jack, do you want to chime in any at all on, on uh, Oliver Bonk? You, you seem to almost like this pick, I think. Yeah, at the time it was a little underwhelming based who was still on the Perot. Um, we had also just like we were almost within striking distance of Oliver of Oliver Moore, which is mm. like our absolute dream scenario. So that was yeah. like, you know, I was coming down from that. And it, it, this remember, this was a draft where we had heard a lot of there's not really any and I'm sure somebody will come out of it, but not really any top pairing defensemen that they really project or see. Now, mm. I obviously think a couple will. But when you hear that and then at 22, you go and draft a defenseman when there's other forwards available. It was a little like, uh, but when I did my research and you know, watched some clips, he just strikes me as a good steady Eddie kind of guy. I can see him being very valuable and somebody you can trust. Um, I also read that in dev camp, he's very good at puck retrieval. Well, that's something this team hasn't been very good at. So uh, I'm mm-hmm. all about possession and that, that helps. And everything I've seen so far has been positive. He's got the NHL bloodlines, you know, I, how could you hate this pick? And when I just said, you got Meechkov, anything after that's luxury to me. So, you know, knock yourself out. Absolutely. I think he's got a little swag to him, too. You see his haircut? I did not. He's no. got a little mullet going. He looks like he's got some swag. Oh, some yeah, like you yeah, you got to have some confidence to rock a mullet, so I can appreciate that. Yeah, well. um, yeah any final thoughts on Blanc before we kind of move on and talk about a couple of these other guys? All right, let's move on and talk about – so the, the Flyers took back-to-back goalies in this draft. Uh, I believe in the second round, they took Carson uh, Bjornsson. Let me see, make sure I'm saying his name correctly there. Uh, Carson Bjornsson. Sorry about that. Uh, was their second round pick third, their third overall pick. He's a six foot three, 109 pound, 190 pound goalie <laughs> uh, was the top rated North American goalie, according to NHL central scouting. Uh, so that was interesting because goalie is always kind of a boring pick unless they're a highly touted goalie like Carter Hart or, you know, somebody like that. Uh, and then they, the Flyers turn around in the third round with their 87th pick and they pick another goalie. This time, uh, Russian goalie Igor Zavragin. And I probably butchering that one as well. But, uh, you know, this is probably the last time we're going to hear his name for about five or six years. Um, so, yeah, they grabbed two goalies back to back and. I had thought that I read he was potentially the top Russian goalie, uh, according to this article here. Zavragin finished the uh, he finished twelfth. I'm sorry, finished twelfth in Central Scouting for European goaltenders. So, you know, maybe he was higher up on the Flyers list. What did you think? What did you guys think about the Flyers grabbing back to back goalies, Trav? Absolutely loved it. Wow. I mean, we get top rated U.S. goalie. Sounds good to me. You look at all the great goalies that are coming out of Russia these days. Sure, let's take one. Mm-hmm. I mean, you can never have enough, in my opinion. Um, I mean, we've seen that a couple of times, setting records for how many goalies we're using in a season. Yeah. Um, but, yeah, I mean, goalies are just so hit and miss prospect-wise that it's almost just like take a couple. That, that You know, a couple's got to hit, right? One thing I thought was interesting is they traded back into the draft for this pick. They had no second round picks. 
what was it? A, a second from next year and like a six rounder or something. Um, and I think it was after Detroit took it there, took the goalie. They're like, Oh, here comes the goalie run. We got to get back in. Mm-hmm. And there's Detroit who has a goalie in their system who was what a top 15 pick. So yeah, they are, they're a dart throw. So grab as many as you can. I love that one's American. I love the one's Russian for everything that Trav just said, get them from all over the globe. Next one, next one better be from Iceland. You know, like <laughs> just, let's just stock the cupboard. I'm seriously though. I, I really, I w- I'm, an, I'm a fan of the draft one per year, but if you're going to draft two that are like this highly touted, in this draft, they would, you know, if they're goalies, I get it. Like, I'm all for that. Also, if you had any any inkling that Hart could still be here, it's done. It's donezo. He's gone. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, they, they did stock the goalie cupboard there. Um, shit. I had so- This has been happening a lot lately where I have a thought just ready to go, and then it's my time to talk, and it just goes away. Jack um, had something to do with the goalies. <laughs> no. <laughs> It had something to do with the goalies. They did the same thing when they got Hart. Like from back to back years, they got like Sandstrom, Hart, Tomac, who amounted to like nothing. Uh, And like there was even another name in there somewhere. Obviously, they got what Urson at some point too. Like they were drafting them, you know, shooting from the hip, drafting guys, and yeah, they came away with two pretty good goalies. So I mean, I like the strategy. (laughs) It's called ADD. Yeah, it's probably. Yeah, I should probably stop with the coffee. It's my third one today. Oh, it's probably what it is. Killing brain cells over here or something. <laughs> um, yeah, so they go back-to-back goalies. I'm fine with that. Uh, like you guys said, stock the cupboard up. If, let's say, Carter Hart eventually does get moved, everyone kind of bumps up a notch. I think we're going to see a lot more Sam Urson. Um, They still have they, – currently, they have three goalies on the NHL roster. So someone's got to go somewhere. Carter Hart, Cal Peterson, and Felix Sandstrom. Felix Sandstrom is still on the roster currently. <laughs> so I don't know what they're going to do with that. I don't think you want to lose him for nothing. Right? Like he, he was okay. I think we talked on the uh, Friday flyer over that. He sort of got the short end of the stick last year, playing in a lot of the team's back-to-back games, so never really had a fair shot, um, You know, especially if the opponent was playing fresh. He was just kind of getting clobbered. So, um, yeah, so... We're going to talk about this. Fida Tolvin is military duty. We're going to talk about that. It's a topic for later in the show, but uh, that's another one. So you never know what's going to happen. And it's good just to have a lot of them on hand. Um, we mentioned I, some of the – go ahead, Trav. I kind of think Felix is out. If yeah. you just kind of – see, like, I, I don't agree that Hart's gone. I actually – I wouldn't be surprised if we see a Carter Hart extension at some point this summer. But, I mean, you look at the depth chart now and – like Felix is fourth, so no injuries. He's the backup for the Phantoms. Like he can't be very happy with that. Yeah, we saw him almost go back to Sweden. So that's kind of what I think ends up happening there. But I mean, these two goalies that we got, like they're they're not even going to be with the Phantoms for a couple years. So I I don't really equate anything to that either. I just you get you got two prospects that were high on your draft board take them i don't think it has too much to do with anything that's going on with the nhl goalies i like that that's because that was my thought and just because they drafted two guys big deal man they're the russian this russian kid you're not going to even hear about for another half a decade he's 17 years old right he's going to he's going to grow up playing in the khl these guys come over really late right and they kind of skip the ahl i think i saw a quote 
where the KHL kind of coaches these kids up. Only go if you're going to be playing in the NHL. Otherwise, you're going to be playing in the, in the shitty, you know, uh, AHL, which, you, you know, it's not shitty. But if you're playing pro hockey in Russia, the comparable to the AHL, I think, is, hey, this is the second best league in the world in their perspective. Why would you go over there to play in a lesser league? Play here, make more money kind of thing. So this, the Russian kid, I don't think we see till he's at least 23 probably 24-ish, right? Um, the North American kid, yeah, you know, maybe he moves through, through the ranks a little quicker, but I, I think, let me just bring him up real quick, but I, I think he's going back to his um, junior team or is it college? He's with uh, Brandon, the weekend's WHL. Yeah, he'll probably be there for two years. Yep. So yeah, he's a younger me, guy too. He's 18. Um, Hart is not the goaltender of the after the rebuild. He may not go this year, this offseason. He may not go. I think the findings come out at the end of July, I thought I heard. Um, and somebody was complaining. I think it might have been like on 32 Thoughts, or one of those shows. They're just complaining like they, they could release these results earlier, but they don't want it to like coincide with the draft and free agency. So they purposely pushed it back. Mm-hmm. I can see them doing something like that. Um, I don't think that they drafted these guys because of that. I think to what you guys are saying, you should do that anyway, because you don't see him for a while. However, um, the the idea of Hart being around, I thought was very slim to begin with. I just think it closes the door. I just, mm-hmm. I think it's, you got, you got, um, I, I always want to say heater because his stupid name is Cal <laughs> Peterson for two. You got him for at least, I doubt you move him at the deadline unless he freaks out. So for two years, and it's going to probably be the Arison show for a while. I think Sandstrom's definitely gone. I don't think anybody's arguing that one. I just can't see it. There's so many goalies on the roster right now. It's a lot of money. He's about to be a free agent. So after this year, you could extend him, but like, is that what he wants? Is that what the team wants? It's what I want, but I never get what I want, except for Michkov. Um, <laughs> so I, I just feel like there was already a trade set. And it's just a matter of these findings. And that's what it ultimately comes down to for me. If he stayed, I'd be all for it. Yeah. Oh, we'll certainly see how it's going to shake out. The, the good thing is the cupboard is somewhat stocked up again with the two goalie picks. Now, in between all these right-handed defensemen and goalies, the Flyers did pick a couple offensive players. In round three, I had my eyes on Jaden Perron. And, of course the friggin' Carolina Hurricanes take another player that we all wanted a couple years back. They, they nabbed Noel Gundler. That was a player that Jack really wanted. This year, Jaden Perron, a player that I was kind of looking at. I know uh, Paul was watching as well. They take just before the Flyers pick. But it's okay. Flyers nabbed a similar player in Denver Barkey. He's a 5'9". Sorry, I'm not laughing at his height. 5'9", 154, 154-pound uh, center. Um not only is it, this is from Paul Pollock's uh, Flyers Draft Analysis article. So if you haven't read it yet, head over to hwhockey.net and go check it out. Not only is it a great hockey name, but he's a lot of fun to watch. Um, Barky combines great speed with ferocious compete and good skill package. He produced at just under a point per game clip in the OHL. And Paul expects him to have a big year there next season. So, you know, he and Perron are similar players. I wonder if Perron was still there, if the Flyers would have taken him. Um, He's a, he's a small but tenacious player, sort of. You know, you remember Danny Briere was sort of the same way. He was a smaller player, but, you know, he didn't let his size dictate the way he was going to play the game. 
And uh, that's kind of how I see this guy, Barky. Um, and then round four, guys. These picks, I think, are underrated. And the one, we all know the one last name, Knubel, right? Cole Knubel, center, 5'11", 185. Um, I don't even know Knubel had a kid, so I'm not going to pretend like I knew who Cole Knubel was. Um, but I thought it was pretty cool that they were able to bring him into the organization. Uh, what would you guys think of the Knubel pick? Yeah, I'll, I'll jump in. I, I don't know much about him either. Um, I did see some highlights. He scored some big goals last year. But I, I think it's cool. I like Mike Knubel, so bring his kid into the mix. I like that. Yeah, if he's anything like his dad, I'm all for it. But I'll be honest, the guy they took like 17 picks later, I think I liked better. Who was this? Uh, Alex. Oh. Yes, go ahead. Yeah, so uh, out of the Swedish league, um, 21st ranked European skater by NHL Scouting. Um, It just feels, from what I was reading, he's got a higher ceiling for an NHL-style player, where Knubel's more of what you're looking for. You kind of look for certain skill sets later in the draft and see what you can get out of it. Cernik is a guy I could see actually, like, doing something, you know, kind of like Limblom did it to an extent because he was a fifth-round pick. I'm not saying they're similar players. I'm just saying he has that upper mobility, I think, to actually, you know, maybe make it to the NHL roster. I would definitely put my money on him uh, before Knubel, unfortunately. Hopefully his dad's not watching. <laughs> so I'm going to take a couple things from Paul's uh, article here, and I thought it was interesting because the Flyers were said to be looking for their Braden point in like the fourth round, something like that. You know, you heard Jonesy mention it a little while back. They need to find their Braden point. I wonder if this kid is that, right? So here's what Paul has in his uh, analysis. Uh, Aside from Michkov, this may be the biggest steal in terms of value, right? 120th overall. Um, what's, What's Paul have here? He says there's a lot to like in his offensive toolkit, and if he hits... Sirena could be the could be a NHL second liner. Calls it a swing for the Flyers. Let's hope it's a a swing and a connect. Maybe a home run pick in the fourth round. So uh, that's a guy I'm going to be keeping an eye on, Alex Sirenik. Um, And then of course in the fifth round I go after Carter Southern, another right-handed D, six three two zero three, which is a nice pick. Uh, Ryan McPherson was their project type of pick here in the sixth round. Center, six foot one seventy six. And in round seven, Mateo Mann, another right-handed defenseman, a massive man. It's 6'6", 229, another right-handed player. He's uh, more known for his defense and his physicality than his offensive skills. Um, so we'll see. You know, Not too many seventh-round picks make it to the NHL. Uh, best of luck to Mateo Mann. Uh, overall, Trav, what would you grade this draft for the Flyers if you had to put oh. a grade on it? I hate doing that because I really don't know anyone outside the first round most drafts. Right. Um, I I love the Mitchkoff pick. That was the guy I wanted, second best player in the draft. Um, I like the Knubel pick just because he's Mike's son. Yeah. And I love the two goalies. So I, I don't know. I don't have a great grade for you. Maybe an A. <laughs> Just roll with it. <laughs> I like an A. I'm so, I love the A. Jack, how about you? Yeah, I'm going to give him an A. I only hold, I would have given him an A plus if they'd have found a way to get Oliver Moore. You know, like that, that's like, I got to hold out for something crazy. But with the value they've gotten in later round, even both goalies were ranked pretty damn high. Like they were aggressive. At least we saw no trades in the first round. At least they were active in the, 
later rounds and went and got their guy. You know, they didn't sit back and let the draft come to them because that's burnt them in the past. They went and they got their guy and they still drafted another one after that. Good. Get the value, get the best player on the board. If that's how you feel, you know, I'm, I'm, I like I'm coming around to bonk obviously. And with you put Nichkov as the bow. I mean, it can't be any less than an A. I loved it. So they could have done whatever the rest of that draft is. They got Michkov. A plus. I mean, I like what they did. You know, you get the the stud, the no-brainer pick, and then you stock up on your right side of the defense. What position have the Flyers? I mean, there's really been two that the Flyers have been, you know, incredibly weak at. And they addressed one of them. Maybe even two if Knubel pans out. But, you know, they draft three right-handed D. They draft Knubel. I think he's listed as a center. McPherson, McPherson kids listed as a center. So there's two guys in the center pipeline. They put three right-handed D in the pipeline, two more goalies in the pipeline, and they, they have a stud that'll be here in three seasons. So pretty overall pretty happy with the draft. Like the way things turned out. It looks like maybe Lady Luck is maybe on the flyer side a little bit here. Who knew? Uh, all right, so we got a couple comments here. Let's get to our comments here before we move on to our next topic. This is from Ty. Ty's a longtime listener. Ty, thanks for hanging out with us. I kind of hope Felix is out. Never really been sold on him. Yeah, could see it. I mean, you traded for Cal Peterson. Is there any chance that they could put Cal Peterson in the AHL? That's what I think happens. Yeah? So it's it's a possibility then. I guess anything's possible. Okay. I mean, they're going to probably let him roll to see if they can get regain any value or anything like that. It's mm-hmm. still a tough contract to move, but yeah, no one's going to, no one's going to claim them. Right. So you could probably stash them down there. No, that's for sure. Yeah. Right. I don't know how much cap, not that it matters, but I don't know how much cap relief they get for it. Yeah. Would Hart be a trade deadline move? This is, he's on the last year of his deal right now, Hart heading into this season. Is that correct? Yes. Yeah. Uh, so when's the last time you, you saw a big time goalie prospect, not a prospect, but a younger goalie like Carter Hart moved at the deadline. Not at the deadline. Uh, geez, I mean, it's a good maybe, question. Maybe Corey Schneider was at the draft, so that don't count. Markstrom when was it? Was it? Was that a Luongo, Was Luongo traded at the deadline? Was he in the Markstrom trade? <sighs> Having a brain. Yes, 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 yes. Yep. So that maybe he went from the it. Panthers to the Canucks, right? Uh, yep, I think so. Yep. Yeah, yeah, that's interesting. Ago, That'd be one to look up. Ryan Miller, fun. but I mean, he wasn't a young guy. Mm. Yeah, like Hart's not even in his prime yet, right? Like, so I'd be interested. That that'd be interesting to see. Uh, Barky was on fire in the playoffs. Flyers are going to like this kid if he makes it up to the Flyers. We're going to like him. He just has a motor. Knubel's attending Notre Dame. Any thoughts on Massimo Rizzo, the guy they are getting for Tony D'Angelo? Well, love the name. He's got a Philly uh, name. Celebrini is going to have a buddy when he comes in next year. Celebrini and Rizzo, right? <laughs> a couple of Italians. Um, no, I don't have – do you guys know anything about Rizzo? I don't – I heard the name last week. That's literally all I know about him. Right, same. Yeah, we could do some homework, maybe talk about – well, I guess we will talk about him next week. Um, but I, I don't know anything about him, so sorry about that one. Uh, and the last one from Ty before we move on. Cal would be decent in the AHL paired with whoever would be ideal for me. Lehigh needs a legit veteran goalie, not some slouch. Yeah. And they 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 really needed another goalie in the playoffs this year because they I think they played Urson 
three straight games in three days. And by that third game, he was just out of gas. Um, so the Phantoms have a decent little team. If they can get a decent goalie tandem going, maybe they make some noise this year. Um, so totally agree with that one, Ty. All right, let's move on to our next topic. So free agency started Saturday. And while the Flyers weren't really going after any of the more well-known names, I don't know how many of those guys there really were out there. There weren't really any crazy contracts, right? The only one that really comes to mind off the bat was Orlov making, what is it, $14 million over two years, something like that, something crazy. But Flyers signed a couple quality depth guys, a couple quality depth players in Ryan Poling, who played for the Pittsburgh Penguins last year, former Montreal Canadian draft pick, and Garnet Hathaway, former Calgary Flame draft pick of Brad Treliving, now the GM of the Toronto Maple Leafs. And he played in Washington and Boston last year. He was traded at the trade deadline to the Bruins. Uh, a couple good depth players probably play on the third, fourth lines. And then today they go out and they sign Mark Stahl. Uh, I think, Jack, was it you that said earlier that he probably takes the Justin Braun role on the team? Well, yeah, essentially I said um, if he Braun can be moved at the deadline, then I'm sure Stahl could too. And they were like, well, that's, yeah, that's pretty much what he's here for, for that role. Yeah. Yeah. So yeah, it fit, the shoe fits. Yeah, it's it's funny because for the next two, three years, any guy that they sign – for a one-year deal, it's like, well, that's a good guy you could trade at the deadline. You know what I mean? Exactly. <laughs> but that—that's the kind of thing that they should be doing. Like you saw Detroit do it with Gosses Bear, sign him to a one-year, four million dollar deal. Come the trade deadline, whoever trades for him is only trading for a one million dollar, and they got to pay him a million bucks or however, however long left in the season. Um, rebuilding teams, this is what they do. They acquire assets now, you know. And a guy like Stahl, uh, Hathaway, I think signed for two years. Poling signed for one. These are guys that while they're here, they can help out some of the younger guys and then the Flyers can trade them off uh, for picks at the deadline. As long as Chuck Fletcher is not your GM because <laughs> trading's hard. Do you see JVR go for a million to Boston? Crazy. By yeah, the I way? don't think he has much time left. I didn't feel bad for him at all because he's stealing money for years with the Flyers. So, right? People like that deal for Boston. I was like, yeah, you have him. Take it. Enjoy. Right. Yeah, I don't know. Uh, must not have watched a lot of JVR, but let's stay positive here. So what do you guys know about Ryan Poling? Because I got to tell you the truth. I was always a little bit underwhelmed whenever I would hear his name come up in conversations. Not a guy I ever really thought about bringing in. Uh, but I think he kind of turned his career around a little bit in Pittsburgh. He ended up being a solid depth guy for them. Um, Trav, any thoughts on Ryan Poling? Have you watched any of them? Uh, very fast. Okay. Uh, that's something we don't have a ton of in the lineup. Natural speed. Um, yeah, I mean, you just kind of look at the point totals he put up last year, pretty solid production for a fourth line center. So I like the deal. Like you kind of just said with stall, if he plays well, there's a good chance he's out at their, um, at the deadline. Um, I, I like them kind of moves to be honest. I was kind of hoping we, we would kind of get into the Bertuzzi sweepstakes or lack thereof seeing he only went for one year i mean you could have played him here for a couple months flipped him at the deadline for a first rounder we're, we're weak on the left wing i would have been cool with that that would have been fun um but they'd be blocking the kids if they signed bertuzzi trev I'm glad somebody said something <laughs> be blocking all the kids dude be blo blocking bobby brink damn it well we'll we'll go into this a little bit because we're seeing that a lot today with Mark Stahl. Like, 
Mark Stahl played a lot of minutes for the team that ended up going to the cup in the Florida Panthers. And like Keith Jones was broadcasting them games from ice level. Like he got a pretty good look at what Mark Stahl can do. And I don't think he has a ton left in the tank. Um, He hasn't really been an effective player the last couple of years, but um, it's kind of known, or I guess maybe not known, but I guess the hearsay is that he's a good veteran. He's good in a locker room. I wanted them to bring in a veteran defenseman, and I think he'll be in the lineup opening night. Um, We'll see what kind of camp he has and some of the kids have, but I don't know. I I like that move. And Hathaway, I don't love the player. Um, Kind of a dirt ball. (laughs) (laughs) We'll go with that because I call him something a little worse. Um, He's a good guy. There's a guy uh, who was in the Flyers locker room who said he's the biggest pretender in the NHL, and he kind of elaborated a little bit more, but I, I always kind of agreed with that. Just watching him play, I never liked him. And my best friend's a Bruins fan, and when Hathaway got traded to the Bruins, like I'm just busting his balls. Like <laughs> you got Hathaway on your team now. Now we're in that situation, but you can't lie; he's one of the more effective fourth liners in the league. Yeah. Um, so I mean, that's cool. Uh, you should be able to flip him for like maybe a third round pick at the deadline, whether that's this year or next year. But um, I don't know. I, I don't hate that signing. I was waiting for that. If Hathaway doesn't spit on anyone while he's here, I'm fine with that. That's from Ty. I mean, yeah, like, come on. So I'm not – I, I try not to judge people because we all make mistakes, but spitting on somebody is, like, as low as you can really get. So when I think of going to Hathaway, I think of the time he spit on somebody. Mm-hmm. So uh, not the I best think, impression. At the end of the day, though, I can't say I disagree or have an issue with any of these signings. I expected them to sign the defenseman. I expected them to sign at least one forward. All these guys could be moved. All these guys are going to be somebody that our young guns should have to beat out. You do not hand the keys to the kingdom over to the young kids. That almost never works. Uh, it's amazing because we've seen it before. In 2021, they kind of did that. You know, like yep. you you brought in Gustafson, who was nobody was beating. It was just a copy of Ghost. You know, you needed Proveroff and Sandheim and Fleet Myers to step up, and it, they did not. <laughs> and then things steamroll the other direction because you need veteran presence these guys they come in they're young they may be talented but they don't know how to be nh to carry themselves as nhl players like there's more to it behind the scenes than it is on the ice and yeah. on the ice is a major part too not to mention your coach is tortorella so maybe stall could tell these guys like these young kids how to deal with him maybe like it is they are all basically one-year deals i know hathaway's is too but he can still be moved like this is this isn't all teams do this. I, I couldn't understand the outrage by certain people on Twitter. It was it was kind of comical. It's like this is why are we still talking about this? Like yeah, I don't get it earn, either, man. And not to mention, there are certain players, certain young guys where the clock's ticking. And that's like Wade Allison and Lazinski. Like mm-hmm. they need to one, stay healthy, and two, play where they deserve to be on the team. You don't just stay healthy and here's your spot. You have to earn that position. And yeah, this is showing them that you can be replaced. Like if, if this is all you can do, you can easily be replaced. So show us you deserve to be here. There should be some battles in camps. You got 
these veterans here. You got the older guys who are trying to make the team and stick with the team. And then you got this, this new crop coming in. End of the day, you're going to get the best guy at the position coming out of it. I have no issues with that. It may take some of the other younger guys a year longer. Well, then good. You have a good problem. You can move these veterans at the deadline and get some assets. This is how it works. This is rebuilding 101. It's easy. I, I don't understand the outrage at all. So I, I agree completely, 100% with everything you both said. But I will say this. There's a numbers game now. And if Adderd and or Zamula have a really good camp, I want them guys in the lineup opening night. I don't know if that means Sealer's out. I don't know if that means Stahl's out, Walker. It, it's a numbers game at this point if them guys have a good camp. But if they do, I want whichever one or both in the lineup opening night. Well, and I, t- I completely agree. You didn't bring these guys in here to have the spot. Right. They got to they gotta earn it too. If Stahl like, falls off a cliff, he doesn't mm-hmm. have it anymore. I read his contract can be completely not again, not that it matters, but like if he were to be sent down, it, it doesn't affect the cap at all. So it's, it's like whoever wins the position gets the position. I don't care how long you've been in the league. If they deserve to be there, they should be there. Yep. You know, I don't want a Joel Farabee situation in his rookie year where he had to wait to come back up because of a silly numbers game, you know? So like they should get the spot. They are in perfect position to whoever the best player is to get the spot. Cause that'll literally defeat the purpose of everything we're saying. If they just turn around and give it to the veteran anyway, that's hack stall shit. You know, that's yeah. stuff we've seen in the past. I don't want to see that. Whoever earns it deserves it. A couple things here. Uh, this was a great deal for Mark Stahl because he may not even play all that much. You know, the Flyers gave him a $1.1 million contract. You know, they say, okay, yeah, hang around, develop the kids. They don't, I'm going to assume they don't plan on playing them that much. Hang out, rest up till the trade deadline. We'll send it to a, to a cup contender, right? It's a pretty cherry deal if you're Mark Stahl. You get to spend another year in the league, make a million bucks, and then go play for a cup, right? Um, these other guys, who's the other guy? Poling, it's only 25, so maybe he ends up being a guy who we'll see. Um, but to your guy's point, I don't know if I see Wade Allison on the Flyers roster after this season. I just I don't. I just don't think that there's a spot. There's a lot of talent coming up behind him, and I don't think he's an ideal bottom six player, to tell you the truth. Uh, Lazinski, I, you know, unfortunately, the injuries just keep coming up, and if you can't stay healthy, it's it's nice kid, love him, came on our show, but you need to stay healthy. The best ability is what availability. Availability. That's so. It. Kind of going off Jack's point, the clock is ticking for a handful of these guys. Lazinski screams at the top of my list. I personally just think he's an AHL player, but this, I mean, he, he's a guy who has to have a good camp or he's going on waivers and he might be in Lehigh Valley next year. Wade Allison, you bring up. I mean, I kind of penciled him in for that fourth line, right wing spot. I think he could be a good bottom six guy if he really embraced it just because the speed and the tenacity and the physicality that he brings um there's there's a lot of skill there too it's just we, it's like too rough around the edges or something yeah there's something, I, there's something about him where it's just like can you trust allison to do these things can you trust another, him not to take chances and get out of position and you know can you trust them just to play north uh north south you know what i mean that's what i was going to say how many times did we hear last year john tortorella screaming post game or the morning after a game he wasn't we need him going north south not east west 
maybe that's his biggest problem because he has skill and he knows it. Okay. So he tries to make some fancy plays and Torts doesn't like it. And I think Torts said, <laughs> not to pump my own tires, maybe Torts agrees with me <laughs> that like um, he could be a good bottom six guy if he truly embraced it. Um, I don't know. That's kind of what I see. I, I like Wade Allison a lot, but he's he's another guy. He's going to have to have a strong camp. I think what scares me about Wade Allison is the only way he can play the way that we saw that first year is the bowl in a, the bowl in a challenge shop. Mm-hmm. And he's and he's going to get hurt doing it. So I feel like he pulled back a little bit and it affected his game. So how, he's got to find that balance or he is going to be odd man out. And I, the way things are going, and there's a lot of people knocking on the door. And some guys are years away, but he's also got to prove he can beat out some of these veterans. A lot of people are shitting on some of the players we signed, more so like the stall signings. Well, good. These kids should be able to beat out this horrible defenseman then. It shouldn't be a problem. What are you crying about? Absolutely. Dude, and that's the thing, right? If if you're a young kid and you're handed a spot, you know your ego kind of gets that boost. It's kind of like your shit doesn't stink. But if you get to camp and you can't beat out Mark Stahl, who everyone's like, oh, he's washed up, guy can't skate, this and that, isn't that kind of like a wake-up call? You know, and the coach isn't going to make it easy. You know, if 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 I'm reading this right, and, and just, you know, from being around sports, a coach is going to pump up the vet all day long and not the rookie because you want the rookie to overcome, right? You want, you want them to overcome obstacles, overcome adversity, no matter how small it is. You know, if, if I'm Zamula or if I'm Adderd, you know, I'm going into the season thinking, all right, I'm competing for a spot right away. There's nobody in front of me. All of a sudden, Mark stalls there and it's like, well, wait a second. It's not going to just be given to me now, is it? Now I got to go bust my ass, right? And then once these habits start to build, these hardworking habits, they're contagious. They carry over. You, you have these for life, you know? So uh, competition, in my opinion, breeds success. Only the strong survive kind of thing. And that's how it should be. You should be playing to make the team. You know what I'm saying? It should be a competition to make. Um, so it's just annoying because after all these years, we've gone through the Hextall, we've gone through the Fletcher. The same people are saying, the kids should play. The kids should play. They're going to play. We do this every single year. Do you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Like, come on, guys. Like, it, it's just like uh, I don't know. It's almost like a shtick at this point because it's the same people doing it. Well, they're the going to play. All we got is time. All we got is time to figure this out. It's going to be a long time till Mishkovs comes over. They figure that out. Even you know, probably longer till they put things together. We this is the time to do this stuff. Like you, there's no rush. Why are we gonna you know rush and start some of these these players ELCs and you know and just why, why would we do that? Like you, unless they truly earn it. Like just let things happen naturally. Again, all teams do this. This is not like a, a foreign thing that we just created. This is a totally normal thing. Yeah, I'll, I'll add a quick point to something Jim said a couple of minutes ago when talking about Wade Allison. Can you ever trust him? And no, Jim was more so talking on the ice. What if what if Wade Allison does get off to a hot start and he gets good chunk of minutes and ends up scoring 25 goals next year? He's a free agent. What kind of contract do you give that guy? Because he's always hurt. How are you ever going to be able to trust him? And it's exactly. a shame because he's one of my favorite guys on the team. 
And like this time last year, I'm like, Wade Allison's going to be our breakout player next year. And now it's like, is he even going to be in the opening night lineup? It, it It's such a crazy scenario. I don't know if that's the right word, but like, no, it is. Yeah. From this point, from this point to where we were last year, like I had a way different thought of Wade Allison, the player. Yeah. It kind of sucks. Cause like I you said, he's a good guy. Awesome. Awesome dude. Him, yeah. It's just, there's too much going on around him and he's not exactly, uh, excelling he's he's not exactly he's blending in too much more than anything you know and you got guys coming up behind you you got guys impressing in front of you your contract's up after a year and you guys brought up great points you know how can you resign a guy that's often injured and you you want the young guys to battle and they shouldn't be given anything but sometimes i just kind of wish like eh, throw wade allison in the bumper on the power play just give them some extra touches, give them some power play time and see if that ends up building some confidence. Cause we saw it with frost a couple years ago, like you're playing with Wilman and uh, Mayhew. It's like, right. do you really expect him to do much playing with them guys? Like, okay. Frost might not be earning extra ice time, but like we see what we're doing right now isn't working. Let's just go put them with Claude Giroux and Travis connect me for three, four games. See if it works. I'm for that. Like it's during a rebuild. It's a double-edged sword. Yeah, especially during a rebuild. Just try to figure stuff out. How can you get how can you get Wade Allison to succeed? You have the time to figure that out. Uh, and if it doesn't happen, hey, yep. you know, maybe it happens somewhere At else. Tried. At least you tried. Uh, so you did mention Morgan Frost there, and there was a report earlier today from the fourth period to Dave Pagnata that uh contract talks between frost and the flyers were progressing and that they're positive frost is a rfa uh, i believe he was qualified obviously so they're they're talking contract um was trying to figure out on twitter today what you even offer morgan frost as a deal and before i get to ocam's razors uh tweet because i think he was pretty spot on with his contract um, I want to hear from you guys because I had no idea until I saw this c- suggestion. Like, what do you pay Morgan Frost, Jack? And how many years do you sign him for? Money, I'm a little iffy on. I think two years is probably good. I haven't seen enough. It's been an odyssey with Frost. Only his past year has been like true, like, you know, like, okay, we have something here. I want to say like 1.8, but I feel like he'll get like closer to three, like, you know, one point or 2.3 to 2.8, somewhere in that range, I think makes sense. And I really think two years is what it's going to be money. Who knows? Yeah, I would be, I would love that actually. Trav, what do you think? Yeah, honestly, I don't really know. I, it's tough. I, would, I would imagine it's a bridge deal, but at the same time, I mean, you look around the league and like, all these teams that are getting burnt on giving guys bridge deals and then they can't afford to give them the big one. Do you get after it early? Do you give them a couple extra years? I don't know. It's tough, right? Especially with the, with the cap and you see what a lot of these guys are signing for uh, in free agency. So uh, our buddy, uh, I hope, I hope I'm saying it right. Uh, Ocam's razor. He's also on Twitter. He's in the comment section uh, with us tonight. Um, he compared Morgan Frost's contract to a contract that Marty Nietzsche got with Carolina. So Nietzsche is 24. I believe he signed a two-year deal last year. 
two years with a $3 million cap hit. He's making $2.5 million in the first, which just recently passed. And this season coming up, he'll be making $3.5 million. Um, earlier in near the end of this season, I had wondered if Morgan Frost could potentially have a Marty Nietzsche's type breakout next season. Marty Nietzsche scored 28 goals and had 43 assists in 82 games played. Last season, before he signed the deal, he had 40 points, 14 goals, 26 assists. He was 23 years old last year. Let's go to Morgan Frost because there's a lot of similarities here, and I really like the deal that was proposed. Let me just find Frost. Sorry, boys. Um, there he is. All right, so Morgan Frost, currently 24 years old. Last season, 46 points, 19 goals, 27 assists. So right there in line with Nietzsche's. I would be perfectly fine. Actually, I'd be ecstatic if he signed a two-year, $6 million deal, just like Nietzsche's, $2.5 million base salary for next season, and three point five the next. If Frost puts up 70 points, that is an absolute steal. And if he plays an entire season like he finished last year's, I don't see any reason why he can't hit 70 points, at least 60, right? And I think he'd be worth the deal. And then I don't even want to think next contract, maybe we're talking more five, six million range, right? Because, but what do you guys think of that? I thought that was a great comparison, uh, comparing him to Marty Nietzsche's. Very good comparison. I think a lot of it's going to actually come down to, are they able to fix the power play? Because because our guys aren't getting many points on the power play. It's true. Um, and I remember I talked about it a couple episodes ago. I think the power play is going to improve just by Kevin Hayes and Ivan Provorov not being out there. Yeah. Now you are going to lose Tony D'Angelo, who's one of the best power play quarterbacks in the league, in my opinion. Um, I, I think York can be a pretty good power play quarterback. I don't know what they're going to do on the second unit. Are Risto, Sanheim? Uh, Ronnie Adder's got a good shot. We'll see if he makes it. Zamula, offensive defenseman, but like none of them guys have really done it at a, at a successful rate in the NHL. Yeah, you know what? That this is a good conversation for a future show. What does the Flyers' power play look like next season? Because I think maybe power play one you can sort of piece together, but you know, and power play two, who who's on there? Uh, towards the end of the year, weren't they playing Risto on the power play, but in front of the crease, right? Like things were kind of a little scrambled up. So be interesting to see what they do that they've been bad on the power play for a long time. Um, but I thought that, that frost deal kind of hit the nail right on the yeah. head and I'd be perfectly, I mean, 6 million sounds great for the player. It sounds almost maybe like a lot, but when you break it down 3 million a year as the cap hit, yeah, sure. If, and if he's going to put up 60, 65 points, which I think he can do. You know, 20, 40, 20 goals, 40 assists. I don't think it's out of the question, especially with some of the shooters on this team. Guy like Frost is going to excel. Um, reason to be excited. Um, I wanted to talk. I was just going to bring up maybe the rebuild goes a little bit faster than we think, but save that for a, a future July show when things kind of calm down a little bit. So we do have a couple more topics before we wrap up. Ivan Fedotov in the news. Um kind of going back and forth between announcements from the KHL and announcements from the NHL. Uh, his current team, Chesk, CSKA Moscow, 
apparently signed him to a two-year deal. And the KHL, the original point, the original uh, tweet that we saw, and I want to credit the tweeter, God forbid here, <laughs> Hockey News Hub had the news first this morning, said that the KHL was not going to honor the Moscow contract, that they were going to honor the NHL contract of the Flyers. Because I guess there's some kind of a gentleman's agreement where they don't want teams poaching players, mm-hmm. right? And that's sort of what Moscow's doing here. The Flyers have Fiditov under contract, and Moscow's kind of keeping them over there. Um, and then there was another report that Bill Daly came out in response to a request from uh, this uh, news outlet said that uh, Ivan Fedotov does indeed have a valid contract with Philadelphia for this upcoming season, 2023, 2024, and that the KHL should honor that uh, in so many words. He didn't say that exactly, but in so many words, that's what he was saying. Uh, I believe that was the last news that came out on that. Um, but according to this hockey news hub account, it sounds like he thinks he's going to be able to come over. I'm not so sure. What do you, what did, did you guys see any of this today? And what do you make of it, Jeff? Yeah. yeah, I saw it. I don't believe it. I, I don't think he's coming over. I just feel like they're really putting their foot down with this kid. Um, especially if it becomes a, you know what measuring contest, I think Russia is really going to make it impossible. I don't need to give a rat's ass what NHL contract they have. Things have only gotten worse with everything going on in the world that with us are uh, sanctions that have been imposed on them with the, uh, I think I heard this on 32 thoughts, the old deals like buying players out of their deals and whatnot, that agreement, it can be worked around. I don't know how, but what they used to do is no longer being done. So if it gets into a, he said, she said, I think Russia would put their foot down and, it's tough. I kind of wrote him off a bit. I, I figured it was Russia doing their thing and I'm lucky the kid's alive, you know, mm-hmm. and, and now it feels like there's a chance, but I'm putting the percentage at like 25% chance, which is higher than I would have probably said. Uh, but I'm trying to be somewhat optimistic here. Um, I don't see it happening. I really hope it does. He's, he's poor kid's career life has <laughs> been his career. How old is he at this point? Like I, you know, it's a shame what they do to those kids over there. But um, I don't have high hopes. Trav, you kind of have similar thoughts? Um, so I kind of wrote him off too. And then maybe like a month or two ago, I heard that like the front office is confident that he's going to come over at some point. I didn't think it was going to be this upcoming year. But then all this comes out and it's like, oh, well, maybe we got another goalie. Um. I don't know. You, you hope the KHL does the right thing. I don't think, I don't think that happens, but you would hope that it does. I mean, this kid wants to play in the NHL. He tried coming over last summer and then they kidnapped him and drugged him up and forced him into the military. He served his military time. He's out and he's ready to play hockey. And if he still wants to come over, I, I hope he does. Yeah. It seems that simple, right? But, uh, it does kind of seem like – so the team he's playing for, Moscow, is the military team. I'm sure a lot of people have heard that by now. 
So that's kind of a little bit of a wrench in a lot of this. Um, I think they're pissed off and maybe still somewhat making an example out of him because he tried to falsify the, uh, whatever it was, military papers or whatever. Like he lied. He lied to the military to get out of the country and avoid his mandated one year of military service. Um, I, I tried to approach this from a different perspective and I was reading a different perspective today on Twitter. I'm going to just kind of throw it out to you guys and see what you think. Uh, suppose it was the United States that was in a war and people like me and you uh, had to go over, right? We, we had to do our mandatory one year type thing, yada, yada. And, you know, everybody has to do it. If you're a man, you have to do this. It's mandated. It's a law, right? Um, you know, and this guy, a pro athlete making a lot of money, playing a sport for a living, lies. And he tries to skip it. He tries to avoid it so that he can go play hockey in another country. Meanwhile, we're sending family members, friends, yada, yada, off to war, right? Does it change your perspective on this at all? And, you know, if not, maybe, you know, trying to look at it from, you know, a, a different side, does it change anything for you? Well, I can tell you one thing. I was definitely not prepared for that question. <laughs> um, what I will say is, I if this is what it comes down to for me. If the United States was being attacked, I totally understand. If we're beating up on some little ass country, I'm like, this is horseshit. Like, <laughs> I mean, I don't know what to tell you. Like, I tell, I get what you're saying. And if it's law, I would take that into consideration. I would know the yeah. risk I was taking, especially with a country like Russia, where if yeah. you smuggle marijuana in, you're in jail for God knows how long, and you need to right. trade off. You know, never mind. Let's not go down that road. But <laughs> my point is, they're rough. You know how they are. You know right. this. So that is what would sway me to really not They'd be like, I'll probably just stick this out because that, I'd be more afraid than that. I mean, I totally understand what you're saying. But there's other circumstances that make me not feel so strongly about that. Sure. Yeah, I was just trying to throw out a different perspective, maybe to see if it changed the way you guys saw that at all. Um, I get what you're saying, but fuck Russia. <laughs> Got no respect for the country. <laughs> all right. They do, least- send, they do send their citizens to slaughter flat out. Sometimes It's hard for me to like get behind them with certain things you know and how they treat their ground forces and Sure. <laughs> My God, man. They, they don't really, honestly, I don't think that most of the hierarchy of, of Russia ha- puts a whole lot of value on human life. And that's what Bob, that, that's why if, if it were Russia, I don't know. I, I would assume the United States is a lot better than that. I've been told people in the military, it's not that nearly that bad. So yeah, I, that it's, that's different in itself. I, but at the same time, I'd be flat out afraid of, of Russia doing the wrong thing. Like, would it be all that crazy if he did this forging and then he just disappeared? I don't think yeah. that would be all that crazy. Yeah. This is the country we're talking about. So I would probably fall in line. Yeah. Yeah. I, I don't know what goes on over there. I was just, uh, this is an interesting perspective. Let me shoot it at the boys and see what they think here. As far as the player goes, as far as the player goes, I mean, very talented goalie. We were pretty excited when we heard last summer that he was coming over. So yeah, I'd be pretty happy if we were getting him back. Yeah, oh, for yeah, sure. Absolutely. It just, again, we have more time to like, let these mm-hmm. guys compete and see what happens. This is a more of a good thing. Yes, sir. All right. Well, we're about an hour and almost 12 minutes into the show. We didn't even talk about 
Kevin Hayes getting traded for a six-round pick in 2024. Flyers retained half the salary. Um, you know, compared to what Barry Trotz was doing out in Nashville, I think the Flyers made out okay because Trotz ended up trading um, – who the hell was it? Johansson for Gotchenyuk and retained half, and then he ended up buying out Matt Duchesne. And I got to say – I liked Barry Trotz a lot more when he was a coach. <laughs> As a GM, he's pissing me off, man. Like, he, I, maybe I could be wrong, but he totally set the market with that stupid Ryan Johansson trade. Because after he did that, it all but killed the the St. Louis and and Flyers trade. Did right? I'm sure they were. They were oh, and everything just changed after that happened. Yeah, you were getting a first round pick and getting rid of Sandheim and Hayes. Yeah, and then all of a sudden Hayes is only worth a six, and most people are. That's why most people are pissed off about that. It's like, well, if Johansson goes for nothing, how could you expect much more? Right. And on top of that, now Ray Ferraro comes out with Sandheim. I don't understand how this guy got this eight year deal with a no trade clause. Did he earn it? I don't think he earned it, and it's not like he's completely wrong. But like, it's like, how do you go from a first to that? And the the point, the catalyst was that trade from Trotz. So yeah, he totally dicked the Flyers. Yeah, I'm not a not a big fan of Barry Trotz. What, what they're doing in Nashville, I would classify that as an aggressive retool. Yeah. <laughs> you get rid of Duchesne. Those, and those don't go too well, <laughs> right? Get rid um, of them too. You bring in O'Reilly, brought in a couple other guys. So you know what I was reminded of during that trade? Do you remember during the? Uh, around the trade deadline, Trav, when you said that you heard Carolina had, uh, there was a sort of a, it wasn't in place, but there was a deal set up where Flyers would have traded Kevin Hayes to Carolina and retained half salary or something like that. And I think it was you that said uh, Carolina's ownership waved the deal off because they, they didn't even, they didn't want to do that. And so when when I heard that teams didn't want Kevin Hayes for even 50% retained, Back then, I'm like, all right, either that's not true or this is going to suck. And it turned out it was going to suck because all they got back was a sixth for, for Kevin Hayes. At, at What is he making over? 3.4-ish, 3.5-ish? Come on, man. He's all, worth all those, six. All those rumors did was just change everybody's perspective on these players that we shit on all year. I, mean, I know Hayes had some points for a while, but we knew ultimately what it was all about. And – you know, you have to get rid of him. Teams know yeah. he wants out. So, like, I just – I remember hearing that, and I didn't believe it the first time I heard it with the whole first-round pick and whatnot with Sandheim. I was like, there's no way. Like, that's one of those, I'll believe it when I see it once, but it, it just gained so much traction that I, I started to believe a little bit. And then everything else kind of happened, and things now are kind of the way I thought they would go. Yeah. I'd love guys- to know what we were getting in return. And the Hurricanes deal, and it sounded like Chuck had it, something with the blue jackets that was going to happen at the draft. Chuck gets fired. They kind of didn't want Hayes anymore. I'd love to know what that deal was as well. Yeah. Cause Maybe I was, was thinking, you know, if you retain on Hayes, like you should probably get like a second or a third, like a I just think they would get more than a six. That yeah. I'll say. That's where I think trots screwed us. Like, I feel like the value we would have gotten probably a little, we wouldn't have gotten a first round pick, but like, uh, we'd have gotten more, but then after that, it was, and then you know he wants out. Ah, forget it. You guys buy into any of the old, because uh, there was, sometimes I think people bitch about Torch just, just because they don't like the guy. 
But there were people out there going, oh, thanks a lot, Torts. Like, you you crushed his value, yada, yada. And I'm like, dude, do the players take any responsibility for their crappy play? Because Kevin Hayes was an all-star this season. I didn't hear anybody saying Hayes was an all-star for the first time in his career. And this was the first time ever playing under Tortorella. I didn't hear one person say John Tortorella made Kevin Hayes into an all-star, right? All of a sudden, the last 30 games of the season, Kevin Hayes starts getting in his feelings. Oh, John Tortorella's benching me, yada, yada. Tortorella crushed his value. Can you believe it? Yada, yada. Not one person thanked Tortorella for helping Hayes make the all-star team. Doesn't work like that. The responsibility falls on the player. You're getting paid. Show up to work. You should be mad at Kevin Hayes. I am. I I agree with you completely, but I also do think towards it and help his value. Sure. You bench bench him a couple times. You put him on the third line left wing. He he just wasn't productive there. Look, none of torts. There's nothing we can do about it. If you're a GM though, like you, I mean, Kevin Hayes just didn't magically turn to shit halfway through the year. Like there's things going on. If I'm Danny Briere, I'm like, you're kidding me, right? Like, this guy was an all-star. He got benched. He started going downhill. Don't read anything into his production sinking. It's right. not because he's getting old or because he forgot how to play hockey. He didn't want to be here anymore. Um, I think most people realize he's a low-end 2C. He's a high-end 3C. And he was put. He was an all-star. Travis Konechny should have been the all-star. And probably Carter Hart deserved it over Kevin Hayes. Totally agree. It should have been Konechny. But, I mean, Kevin Hayes is a talented player who was playing on the top line because we didn't have a first-line center, and he's playing with Travis Konechny. That's why he put up as many points that he did in the first half. He He's a good NHL player, but he's not a first-liner. But no. he was able to put up a nice chunk of points playing with Konechny with the added minutes. Exactly. The, yeah. the league knows who he is. Exactly, exactly what I was trying to say. So, all right, boys, that's uh, that's going to do it for our, our big topics. We have a couple topics to sneak in here at the end. We don't really have to get into them too much, just kind of things that are kind of cool and flyer-related. Uh, Justin Braun signed to play in Germany for a season. He took his family over there. Good for him. I, I think he's German. Braun is uh, German for Brown. So, yeah, good for Justin Braun. Taking a year to go play in Germany. Yeah. Um, the other little interesting snippet at development camp, the son of Dmitry Tertizny, Alex Tertizny, is at camp. And I thought that was a cool little story. Uh, have you got did you guys hear this? I did, and I absolutely love it. I remember when uh Dmitry Tertizny died. I remember um I got a like a really big program but it was some kind of yearbook thing program slack thing had the you could flip it it was the phantoms on one side it was the flyers on the other and there was like a uh in remembrance thing to him and i remember being like oh man that's really sad you know it just all his stats i was like oh man he actually was kind of you know put up some points like who know who knows you know what i mean and it was such yeah. a freak thing and um i still remember of, watching that that telecast that day yeah uh, like, he fell off a boat or something right and the the uh the thing that cut his uh his throat. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. And uh, I I remember kid like wow wow like that's horrible. And there was a lot of really good memories back then, and that was one that stands out. I was like, yeah, that was kind of really dark. So yeah. I mean, it was so long ago to see his kids like has a chance. Oh God, I hope it, <laughs> I know it won't happen. Yeah. But, uh, but it just it, just the idea of it's really cool. 
Yeah, what a story that would be, right? Uh, there you go. Have you got Knubel and Tertigny in uh, development camp? And he said he said he watched all his dad's tapes and all that. He's ready to rock. Yeah, what a story that would be. I, I hope somehow it works out. I don't know too much about the kid, um, but hopefully there's a way that uh, you know it, it happens. At least keep him in the organization somehow. That'd be nice. Um, all right, boys, we are about an hour and twenty, and we still have a couple viewers watching. Uh, anything? A that good you- question. One last question. Red Wings, uh, Zadina? Zadina kick the tires. I say, yes. yeah. <laughs> Why not? Let's uh, check his very talented, skilled yeah. player. Just Does hasn't been able to overall pick of the draft that year. He was top Six, ten. Yeah. Six. Like, I think he went before Matthew Kachuk, but like a pick. Wow. My like, God. So six foot one ninety seven, twenty three years old from Czechia. Yeah, why not? I don't think the that was the guy was going to pick, which is amazing why they're moving on, but why listed not? Listed as a, a right winger here. That's the only thing. I mean, obviously, um, if they're waving him. Things are pretty rough, but, you know, every situation is unique. I mean, if you can, why not? What does it hurt? Yeah, I, I agree. I would take a shot on him. I mean, he's sixth overall, so he's obviously got some offensive talent. Just It hasn't worked in Detroit. Will it work here? No idea, but worth a shot. I have his young guns card. Oh, make that <laughs> I worth something. If I'd have got that, like that drift here. Uh-huh. So here's another little little kicker on this here. So he signed for the next two seasons. He signed for the, this season and for 2024-2025. Comes with a $1.825 million cap hit. If they if they bring him in in the offseason, do they still have to keep him on the roster? Or can they send him down to the minors before the season starts and not worry about him getting claimed? Do you guys know? I'd be guessing. I thought I thought they could, but I, I wouldn't say. I would imagine that he's no longer waiver eligible. But as far as yeah, I, w- I would think he'd have to pass through waivers. Yeah, hey, he's a guy. I mean, God, no if, if they take a, a shot on Kiefer Bellows, yeah. <laughs> why not Philip Zadina? Right? Like, what do they got to lose? I'm on. I'm on the same train as you guys. Yeah, I mean, some teams might he might not get claimed at all, and then I think he's a free agent, and then maybe you negotiate a you know deal or something. For sure. Yep. Left shot plays on the right side. Um, I think he plays both wings. Oh, he does. Yeah. There you go. They could use some guys on the left. There you go. What did we miss? Anything else we missed? Oh, play some good catch up there. Yeah, it was a big, uh, big week. A lot happened. Rabbit fire. What's that? So now it was a good rabbit fire at the end, cleaning up the timelines. Yeah, the the haze trays was a was the smallest uh, the smallest topic. That's how good the draft. draft was, Jim. That's Meech how good the draft was free agency. Kevin Hayes was traded. Didn't even matter. We talked about him an hour into the show. Didn't matter. Yeah. That's all that matters. Meech Big called me. mania. Who's got the shirts printed? <laughs> Get them going. Let's go. <laughs> All right, I think that's going to do it for our show, boys and girls. Everybody, thanks for hanging out. This was a great show. We had a lot of people hanging out in the comments. Okay, Razor, star of the comment section tonight. What are you, what are you laughing at, uh, Trav? Um, so this just came across my Twitter timeline. I don't know if you guys saw the clip that was posted on Nasty Knuckles today about um, John Gibson. Yeah. I, I believe his uh, his agent – um, or their company, whatever, they came out with some little statement 
denying it. <laughs> oh, really? What? So the I will never play another game for the Ducks is BS. According to the agent. <laughs> According to the agent. And that was said on your show. Yeah, the, the clip went pretty viral today. And um, huh. <laughs> Frank's like dunking on this guy. Like, I guess this agency group uh, claimed something back in 2020 that Frank reported was false. Oh, wow. And it was true. <laughs> and Frank's doing it again. He's dunking on him again. So they're going after yeah, Frank. He literally says, Do you remember the last time he tried going against my reporting? <laughs> oh, wow. Frank's the man. Oh, man. All the best. <laughs> the way he wrote that was great. And we, we weren't even talking about John Gibson. We were talking about Carter Hart, but it just came up and clip went viral. There you go. Just like that. All right, boys and girls, one last time, give us a subscribe and a follow. Listen to us on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or YouTube. Set alerts for weekly shows and favorite hoo.be forward slash hwhockey, where you can find all of our social media links or head over to hwhockey.net for all of our latest episodes and articles. As always, thanks for hanging out. Have a fun and safe 4th of July, everybody. Bye-bye. Bye-bye.